everyone. Welcome back to TLDR 101, which stands for Too Long Didn't Read, for those non-tech geeks out there. If you missed the last episode, my name's Kirsten, and I'm super into figuring out the how and why behind health topics, because let's face it, there's way too much misleading information out there. It's hard to figure out what's actually valid and what's not. I like going beyond the traditional stuff, so I'll cover just about every topic I can find that relates to health, no matter how weird and obscure it might be. So for those of you that are interested in health but don't have the time to do all the reading, you can listen to me for all the fun facts with none of the fluff in my quick TLDR podcast. So last episode we talked about how everything we've been told about fat has been pretty much misguided and how a high-fat, low-carb diet is best for the body and the brain. Fat is good for you. It's a great thing to know, but a hard thing to put in action when the stigma that fat is bad is so ingrained in our mind and society. So if you listened to my last episode, you might have thought, wow, you know, I should really eat more fat, but then cringe when you add butter to your meals and still choose to pick the lean chicken meat when you go to the grocery store. It's really hard to break the mindset, I did the same exact thing. So to help put this knowledge into action, I decided to summarize two diets or programs that embody this belief, the Whole30 diet and the Bulletproof diet. First, let's start with Whole30. It's pretty much what it sounds like. Eat whole foods for 30 days. Those are natural, unprocessed foods. Think, this came from nature versus this is a package that came up from a factory. Uh, The great thing about the Whole30 program is it's a pretty simple outline. Eat tons of vegetables, plenty of fats, of course, moderate portions of meat, seafood, and eggs. Things on the no-go avoid list include sugar, no surprise there, alcohol, grains, legumes, or beans, dairy, MSG, and any processed foods. So the idea behind clean foods for 30 days is that it resets your body. So there are plenty of bad feelings and ailments that we feel every day, such as low energy levels, stress, skin issues, allergies, chronic pain, that we don't realize, or at least we don't fully realize, the extent of how much that is directly connected to the food we're eating. I mean, it makes sense. What we put into our body directly fuels us or makes us catch potatoes. Don't be a potato. The awesome thing is by cutting out all the bad stuff, you actually stop craving the bad stuff. So the further along you get in those 30 days, the easier it is to stick to the diet and make healthy choices while also feeling better. Great stuff, right? So sugar is especially horrible and really crucial to avoid. Sugar actually activates the same receptors in your brain that cocaine does, which should honestly blow your mind since it's in so much of the processed packaged foods at our grocery stores. The other cool thing about the Whole30 program is that they send you a daily newsletter with health facts and daily tips. So if you're one of those people that struggle sticking to a diet, it's a nice daily reminder to, to help keep you motivated there. All right, now on to the Bulletproof Diet, which I'll dive into a bit more detail than the Whole30 Diet, but still keep it TLDR for you guys. 
So it's pretty similar to the Whole30 in the sense that the guidelines also suggest to eat similar portions of food from each food group. Uh, it has a bit more specifics, though. So the Bulletproof Diet suggests that eating as many vegetables as you want, with 70% of your diet being healthy fats, yes, 70%, I know, 25% protein, and 5% carbs, fruit, and starches. Yes, fruit falls into that 5% category. So who's this guy that figured out it was a good idea to eat 70% fat? Well, his name is David Asprey, and he was an overweight Silicon Valley tech millionaire. He basically dumped years and hundreds of thousands of dollars into researching a way to cure his own health beyond the traditional and obviously failed standard health methods. So what I found was really different about the Bulletproof Diet is that he relies on biohacking versus the old school, simple calorie intake versus energy expenditure. Basically using himself as a guinea pig, he discovered from a biological standpoint how the food that we eat interacts and either positively or negatively changes our natural body function. Like when you eat that Crunchwrap Supreme and then two hours later you end up either on the toilet or craving some other greasy, terrible food. So, in true TLDR fashion, I will highlight five of the biological factors he discusses that affect both weight loss and overall health. The first biological factor that affects health and weight are anti-nutrients, which damage your gut and cause inflammation in the body. If you didn't listen to the last episode, inflammation prevents your body from functioning properly and leads to disease. So he highlights four different anti-nutrients in this book. The first anti-nutrient is lectin. So lectin disrupts small intestine metabolism and damages the gut and the joints. So beans, nuts, and grains contain higher levels of lectin. So those go on the no-go avoid list, which is very sad because I love beans so much. Okay, the second anti-nutrient is phytates. And the best way to think about phytates is it's a plant's defense system to prevent animals and insects from eating them. Survival of the fittest at its finest. So these phytates bind to dietary minerals animals need to be healthy. So particularly iron, zinc, magnesium, and calcium, which slows or prevents that mineral from being absorbed by the body. So you basically get little nutrition from the food if these phytates are present. Whole grains, nuts, and seeds are major sources of this anti-nutrient. And going down the food chain, so to speak, cows and sheep have a bacteria in their gut that helps them break down phytates, whereas humans and chickens don't, which is why it's better to eat more grass-fed cow and sheep meat versus chicken meat. The third anti-nutrient is oxalates or oxalic acid. Say that 10 times fast. (laughs) This forms in plants. So raw cruciferous veggies such as kale, chard, and spinach, also found in buckwheat, black pepper, parsley, beets, chocolate, most nuts and berries, and beans. So when oxalate 
oxalates bind to calcium in your body, it creates these tiny, sharp oxalate acid crystals, ouch, which can be deposited anywhere in the body and can cause you muscle pain. It's also one cause of kidney stones as well. So with phytates, that other anti-nutrient, and oxalates, cooking and draining away that cooking water minimizes this issue. So instead of eating raw kale and spinach in your salads or in your smoothies, just go ahead and cook those puppies up. The fourth anti-nutrient is mold toxins, mycotoxins. Um, so mold toxins are commonly found in wheat, corn, and other grains, but peanuts, fruits, chocolate, I have to hold my breath when I say this, wine and cheap coffee beans, Ugh, so sad, uh, also contain this mold toxin. So if you're gonna pick, some, pick up some coffee beans, don't go for the cheap stuff, wine, you know, you do you. That covers all the anti-nutrients. The second biological factor he discusses that plays a huge role in weight and overall health is hormones. What? Okay, maybe not that shocking. Uh, I definitely knew this, but after reading this book, it's shocking how big of a role some hormones play in weight gain and loss. Let's check out an example of his. So cattle that were given estrogen were able to get fat on 30% fewer calories. That's like eating 70% of a Chipotle burrito, but having the effect of eating the whole thing. Who wants that? So calories can't be the only factor when it comes to weight. In this book, he highlights two major hormone factors that affect weight and health. The first hormone is leptin. So the anti-nutrient was leptin with a C, and this is leptin with a P. Very confusing, I know. Leptin is a hormone that regulates energy expenditure, appetite, and movement. It sends a stop eating signal to the brain when you've eaten enough to meet the body's energy demands. Yay, no overeating. Leptin is produced by fat cells, so the fatter you are, the more leptin you have in your body. This sounds contradictory, but if you're overweight, you basically have high amounts of leptins circulating the body for a long period of time. So you become lept leptin resistance because your brain is constantly bombarded by leptin and doesn't receive that signal that your stomach is full. Think of the boy that cried wolf. No one believed in that for a while, right? So how do we avoid becoming leptin resistant and make sure our brain knows when we've eaten enough? Leptin levels drop during short-term fasting and return to normal after eating. Have you ever been so hungry after not eating for a while and then you get this huge meal and you eat a tiny amount of it and you feel satisfied? That's basically because leptin was able to reset your brain and your brain was able to receive that correct signal again. So this is the reason why he recommends intermittent fasting. And I'll talk about intermittent fasting more in another episode, but if you want to learn about it now, go to this post on my website, which is tldr101.com, and I'll have a link to a resource that you can check out in the meantime. The second hormone he references is cortisol. I'm sure everyone's familiar with this as it's known as that stress hormone. Cortisol is produced by the adrenal gland, and increases blood sugar and suppresses your immune system. Fat is one nutrient that does not raise the stress hormone cortisol. 
Um, so we'll talk more about these hormones um, a little later on here and, and how um, specific they are in your body. The third biological factor that affects weight and health is insulin. As I discussed in the last episode, when your insulin levels raise, your cells aren't able to properly perform their regular function of releasing the fat for the muscles to burn. So carbs, refined sugar, spike your insulin levels the most and basically keep your fat hostage in your cells. Fat has the least impact on insulin levels. In short... Fat does not make you fat. Yay! You guys are going to get sick of me saying that. (laughs) The fourth biological factor that affects weight and health is bile. Mmm, yummy, bile. So bile helps break down and absorb fat. If you don't have enough bile, your body won't be able to get rid of enough toxins. Fat to the rescue again. When you eat healthy fats, it signals your body to produce more bile. So the more healthy fats you consume, the more toxins going out. Toodles. The fifth biological factor that affects weight and health is a protein called Fife. The long version is fasting-induced adipose factor. So let's just stick to Fife. Fife blocks an enzyme, LPL, that tells your body to store fat. So higher level of Fife, your body is burning more stored fat. Yay! Thanks, Fife. So how do we get high levels of Fife? Well, if you starve your gut bacteria of starch or sugar, they get hungry. Hungry bacteria make Fife, and then you burn fat. Yay! Thanks, Fife. However, when you feed your gut bacteria sugar or starch, they stop producing Fife, and you start storing fat. Boo! Sugar and starch. That's a wrap on the biological factors. Outside of these biological factors, there are a few other points I found different and interesting, so here are three other topics I wanted to go over. The first one is coffee. So you may have heard of bulletproof coffee. It's probably something um, you've read about in in some random health study. It's basically a delicious breakfast, so to speak. Um, It contains quality coffee, so you can buy bulletproof coffee on their website if you want, uh, butter, so Kerrygold, grass-fed butter, and MCT oil, or coconut oil if you don't have MCT oil, all blended together for a nice little latte. Um, the great thing is that it, it keeps you satisfied until lunch without any food cravings, gets your brain working, and helps you lose weight without any of the negative side effects. I'm a huge breakfast person, but I will testify that this amazingly keeps me satisfied until lunch. Okay, but what else about coffee? So coffee also stimulates fat loss and helps build muscle by repressing a substance in your body called mTOR. I'm going TLDR here, so I'll post a link to resource for you um, to read if you'd like more details on the how and why behind this, or you can, of course, check out the Bulletproof book. Caffeine also helps with cognitive decline and lowers the risk of developing Alzheimer's disease by blocking inflammation to the brain. Think about the future, people, while you still remember to think about it. But careful, as I mentioned above, the cheap coffee has those mold toxins. That's why it's important to get those quality uh, coffee beans there. Two, salt. Another outside factor that controls weight and health. 
you probably think I'm going to say salt is bad, but actually just the opposite. So restricting sodium to less than 2,500 milligrams per day makes your insulin resistance increase, which makes you fat. Your serum cholesterol increases and your triglyceride levels go up. So this is especially true when you're stressed out. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm stressed, I want a burger and french fries. Turns out it's for a good reason. Your body needs more salt when you're stressed because salt is, a, is an important part of your adrenal response, aka that thing that controls your stress hormone cortisol. So if you feed the beast or, you know, feed the adrenal some salt, you're saving yourself some energy and stress. So many people believe that salt is bad for you, but there's never been a study with sufficient solid evidence proving that salt is bad. Another stigma to add to the list. Three, sleep. Okay, this is almost a chicken and the egg type situation. What you eat directly affects how you sleep, and the quality of your sleep has a dramatic impact on your weight loss and performance. One really cool thing that's super active while you sleep is your lymphatic system, which uses the cell's mitochondria to remove cellular waste from the brain. Kind of like cleaning out the clutter in your closet. Just let go of the old and broken to make room for the new and improved. Four, exercise. This is an interesting one for me. All right, so 80 to 90% of what your body looks like depends on what you eat. Yep, the famous saying that abs are made in the kitchen. I can definitely attest to this since I spent my freshman year of college as a D1 athlete working out harder than I had in my entire life. We had 20 hours of practice a week and I still gained a freshman 25 pounds thanks to tequila and late night pizza. Good old dorm days. A lot of exercise, especially if you have a stressful job, will drive up your cortisol levels. This causes weight gain, muscle loss, a decline in testosterone, and burnout. Pretty much has the opposite effect of all the reasons you want to work out in the first place. So, crazy enough, he recommends that your workouts should last no longer than 20 minutes, and they should be super high intensity and only three days a week. Ideally, two days a week of weight training and one day of cardio. Weight training is awesome because it increases lean muscle mass, boosts your insulin sensitivity and metabolic rate for days, and increases your testosterone and growth hormone. For cardio, he recommends high-intensity interval training or HIT, and he suggests to run 30 seconds high-intensity sprints and rest for 90 seconds and then repeat that for 15 minutes total. The benefits of HIT are that you produce more HGH, the performance-enhancing anti-aging hormone your body makes to keep you young. So the more intense the workout, the more intense the HGH release. Okay, so I personally don't fully agree with this exercise model as I think working out every day truly helps with stress, heart, and muscle health. But I also think it's really great to think about if you're feeling tired and feeling stressed, you should listen to your body more. Um, and maybe instead of doing that extra workout and, and forcing yourself there, take that recovery or do a light workout. But, you know, hey, everyone is different. So just find out what works for you. Opinions are always welcome. So, you know, maybe his method might be the method that works for you. All right. 
That's a wrap on the Whole30 and the Bulletproof Diet. If you're interested in more than just the TLDR, you can check out this post on my website, tldr101.com, for links to more resources. Also, I'm going to post the transcribed text from this podcast, so if you want to refer back to anything I said, you don't have to listen to my voice all over again. With that, I'm out. Until next time, toodles.